0: Why? Keep Manhattan, just give me that countryside.
1: New York is where I'd rather stay. I get allergic smell. All right,
0: ladies, you hay. sing your part, we sing our I part.
1: I just adore a penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me
0: Park Avenue. All right, here we go. The chores. The chores. Fresh air. You are my wife. Goodbye, city life. Green acres, we are there. All right, Free Farm Friday now in its second year. And uh, today we have very, very special Free Farm Friday teed up for for you. All right, break. Wait a minute, come back, Justin. All right, on to break. (laughs) Omaha. (laughs) Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Ready, set. Blue twenty two. What what would breeze? What did breeze just call? It? Blue twenty two. <laughs> Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, sorry, live radio is fun, ain't it? All right, uh, Mister Monday. You sent me sixteen videos. Can you please narrow it down to one? Which dang chicken killing video am I supposed to play? Mid or Monday? Which line is he on? Three. Did we only have two? <laughs> uh, uh, Monday. Which one are you? It's not that one. Testing. Testing. Okay, testing, you're two, there. Two, we don't. We, we can't do three people at the same time. We don't have three separate feeds. So what should have happened is uh, Julie should have conference called one of the other perps here on her phone, or Paul should have conference called Julie on. His phone, and then we could separate everyone else. So whoever is not talking, mute. Mute. All right, Monday. Which what, what am I supposed to play here? Did you keep sending me different videos?
2: I, I only sent you one, to my knowledge. I mean, I said so I was sending you ones on my sheep pig, but that was on the phone. On the, the botan, I just sent you that one.
0: Well, the, the, the chicken killing
2: song. Uh,
0: let, let me see here. I've got to share something with you. No, into- this is uh, something about Oh, that's right, that, that was a different one well, Why that's do you, you-, I- you confuse me? Now I have no idea because <laughs> Now the uh, Hold on, so this is the other Video, let me let me see Let me click yeah, this one. One hang said- on, had- hang oh, on, hang on Hold good. on, hold okay. on Alright, so this is the, the, uh, this is the chicken killing It takes a tough man to kill a chicken That's the one Is, is this like a parody of a, when a man Loves a woman or something? No, no, it's
2: not a parody. It is It is a song unto itself.
0: Okay, all right. Unto well, <laughs> we'll get to it in a minute. First, let's just get the legal part out of the way. Uh, Frank DeVito has this at the Imaginative Conservative, and I thought the, 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 this would make a good subject here. Overturn, Wickard versus Filburn. So since we just recently talked about this, um, after Roe versus Wayne, the constitutional case that bothered me the most, Frank DeVito, uh, my first year of law school was probably Wickard versus Filburn. The case has disturbed me both for its blatant distortion of uh, the Commerce Clause and for the precedent of federal overreach it created. Now that Roe has fallen and we have U- the uh, U.S. Supreme Court clearly willing to overrule bad precedent, any good conservative should hope, pray, and work to see Wickard versus Filburn overturned. Filburn was the owner. Now, if you don't know the, the, uh, the meat and taters of this case, let me give it to you. Filburn was the owner and operator of a small farm in Ohio. Under the Agricultural Adjustment Act of 1938, the federal government attempted to control the price of wheat by allotting how many acres of wheat a farmer could grow in that particular year. Filburn grew and threshed more wheat than was allotted. And then refused to pay the federal penalty. Hey, uh, Mr. Philburn, thank you. The intended purpose of this law was to control the volume of wheat moving in interstate foreign commerce in order to avoid surpluses and shortages and the consequent abnorm- uh, abnormally low or high wheat prices and obstructions to commerce. This was, in other words, ladies and gentlemen, this was a price control put on. Wheat, that's what you make bread out of, by the Franklin Delano Obama administration and the Congress of 1938. Uh, Congress can only legislate under the powers expressly given it by the Constitution, and the Tenth Amendment makes clear that this is completely unconstitutional. In Wickard versus Filburn, the powers supposedly came from the Commerce Clause, which gives Congress the power to regulate commerce among the several states. The plain language of the Commerce Clause, though, Dan, requires that two circumstances be present for the federal government to wield the enumerated power. The situation must involve commerce, and that commerce must be among the several states, meaning the Commercial Act must cross state lines. Now, I have a different view of this than Frank DeVito, and he quotes Randy Barnett, and and, uh, Barnett used to be on this show frequently back 2010, 11, and 12, Uh, Professor Barnett says Congress has power to specify rules to govern the manner by which people may exchange or trade goods from one state to another to remove obstructions to domestic trade erected by the state and to both regulate and restrict the flow of goods to and from other nations. Now, his definition, Mr. Mundy, is closer to mine and yours, and that is if you look up regulate and Samuel Samuel Smith's – 1788 Dictionary, not Samuel Smith. Who did the Samuel something or other? If you look up the definition of regulate, it means to make regular. What does that mean, Mittermundi? That means to break down barriers to trade.
2: That's exactly right. It was meant to make sure that there is nothing interfering with it If You're going to make it regular. But you have to understand that the court. I've studied this mm-hmm. one too, Mike. This this one. I remember, I remember in grade school when I learned about this. I said, "What the heck is this all about?" They took a different view of it. They sure. were, the, the, the courts. Well, besides the fact that they were intimidated by the Roosevelt, they were going to put just like, not just like now. They were going to pack the court. They said if it exerts a substantial economic effect on interstate commerce. Right now, there is a there is a broad statement uh, as broader, broader than the than the the, the uh, uh, search warrant for for uh, Mar-a-Lago. How how who's going to which experts are going to decide what exerts a substantial economic effect? You 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 open the floodgates there. That that's you know something that that. Uh, almost makes you wonder if it was written for them because i i can't can't quite comprehend that they would they would take that broad of approach. Well, I guess it's as bad as what we've done with the 14th amendment too. You could you want to stretch it as far as that be. I I, I and, and if I want to be charitable to them, perhaps they did not realize Oh no, they did. No, no, at, they... at the time well I I'm trying to be charitable, Mike. He tell us to be charitable. <laughs> that 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 they that they you know, they did not understand at the time, how big the corporatism and big business would be, because that's what opened the floodgate for big business They take control of the food supply.
0: Well, here's the deal. Uh, so the court, uh, uh, astonishingly, you know, it ruled. Now, let, 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 let's go back to cases for just a moment here. Make commerce regular. Note that the, in the commerce clause it is to make uh, is to re- regulate commerce among the uh, 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 among the Indian tribes or, or between the Indian tribes. Among, uh, uh, between foreign nations and among the several states. So the states are the last thing mentioned in the clause. Uh, again, it means to make regular. So what was going on in 1785, 86, and 87 that inspired the fr- the framers of the Constitution to insert? And it's the first clause in the enumerated powers. So Mister Monday, we know uh, what was going on in 1787 that would have uh, that would even have made them think that you would need such a cause. Do you know? I, I know. I'm a, so it's a rhetorical I'm, question.
2: I'm, I'm, I know that at that time were, there was a great economic. They used to call them panics in those days. There was a panic going on after the Revolutionary War, whether that had an influence on it. So I'm not sure about sure. That's the first
0: thing. That- okay. Well, what was going on is like, for example, Maryland was blocking the sale of horses that came from Virginia. You, so you had states that were going like, uh-uh, ah, uh-uh, ah, ah, That's our bread and butter. No, nah, yeah, get that, get that Tennessee or get that Maryland crap out of here. So you had states that were, were basically doing. They were, they were protecting their tradesmen and protecting some uh, some vocations in their state. They were all durable trades then. So we can. <laughs> it's a positive they, thing. They were, they
2: were putting up. They were putting up tariffs.
0: That they were putting tariffs up in between states. So the Commerce Clause then is clearly. And look, there's a whole chapter in, uh, about Wickard versus Filburn in uh, Tom Woods and Kevin Gutzman's book, Who Killed the Constitution? It's one, there's a whole chapter on Wickard versus Filburn. Uh, Brian McClanahan uh, had, uh, treats, uh, treats of it in his. Um, oh, gosh. Contemporary Guide to the the Constitution, which explains it clause by clause. So if you actually study what was going on at the time of the framing of the Constitution, then it becomes clear and you know that this is basically saying no tariffs twixt states. Now, Dan, you've heard me say, because you've been listening forever, you've heard me say 175,000 times to Sunday that back in 2009 and 10, when they, were debating, when they were debating the Obamacare Act, you heard me say, and I know that you agree, Congress should use the Commerce Clause and should make health insurance sales regular between the states. Because if there was a problem, and there was... Uh, and there are states that still block the sale of certain insurance policies inside a state. Use the Commerce Clause to abolish those, those tariffs, basically, those uh, those bulkheads, if you will. And that, you get more competition. You'll get smaller providers. And you get a lot of good things with that. So we can envision a proper use of the Commerce Clause mid or Monday.
2: Yes, we can, but what they're trying to do is make the private supply a government supply, so now it becomes part of something the government is, is able to control. What they're telling you is no lo- it's no longer your private property or your private endeavor or your private activity. They're telling you it's part of their supply.
0: And Congress as well, uh, if we have to have a Congress and we have to have an agriculture department, which we shouldn't have, then the the Congress can actually use the Commerce Clause to make regular breakdown barriers. Now, this is pretending now that there is no USDA and and it has no regulatory power and there is no FDA to make the sale, if you will, of milk and dairy products and meats regular among the several states, right? Right, that's correct. So there are uses of the Commerce Clause that that, that, that Mitter Mundy and I, and I'm sure Goodsman and Woods and Barnett would all agree as well, there are proper uses that would make life a lot easier, or, or, or agricultural life uh, much better, and you would you, you would remove the ability of one state, for exa- example, to say that you can't sell Georgia whole milk in this state. Now, you may be able to write, have a health department say that, well, we object to the sale of raw milk. Uh, you may have a case where a state could kind of have a tariff there, um, I'm not even sure on that one, but there, you know, for a health concern, you 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 may be, uh, have a a, a a rule or a regulation. But the purpose of the clause is to make the commerce regular. Well, listen to what the court said about th- this, and this is why we're stuck with federal agents armed going to house to house to house or farm to farm to farm and threatening these farmers. Maggie, where'd you get the story that you today you told me about the guy who? Um, <clears throat> The federal agents went to his uh, house to to, uh, went to his farm to inspect his barn, and he goes, "Uh, "Hey, can we? uh, We're here. We we have a warrant now. Can we? We're here to inspect your 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 barn." And he went, "Go right ahead." And all the stalls had padlocks on them, and the agent went, "Hey, bub, you got to come in here and uh, you got to open all these padlock." He goes, "I'm supposed to allow you to inspect. Didn't say anything about providing you with keys to open locks." Um, and they left. <laughs> they, they left. And then had to come back with another warrant, basically, that made him, uh, that compelled him to open the locks. Here's what the court ruled in Wickard versus Filbert Wheat grown for home consumption, and this, is, this should scare the crap out of all of you homesteaders out there. Wheat grown for home consumption would have a substantial influence on price conditions on the wheat market both because such wheat with rising prices may flow into the market and check price increases and because, though never marketed, it supplies the need of the grower, which w- would otherwise be satisfied by his purchases in the open market. This is basically bringing about, by judicial fiat, the United States Department of Agriculture price and crop subsidies, and supports, and price controls. Mr. Monday.
2: Well, and you know what was even more scary about that, Mr. Chair? What's that? It was uni- It was unanimous. There was no dissenting opinion on that case. So whatever whatever the fear they were working under, or collusion, or whatever we want to assume, it was a unanimous decision. So you don't even have a dissent to compare it to.
0: No, and uh, Mr. DeVito concludes uh, that this case set a horrible precedent giving Congress power far beyond what is enumerated in the Constitution, it allows the federal government to interfere in the most local and basic aspects of our lives. The court should overrule Wickard versus Filburn. It should leave me to grow my wheat, chop my trees, and raise my chickens without congressional oversight. And it should tell Congress very clearly that regulating commerce among the several states means exactly that. Congress only has the constitutional authority to regulate the sale or trade of goods that cross state lines." Uh, I don't agree with Mr. DeVito's conclusion here, though. Congress does not have the power to regulate the sale of things just because uh, because they cross. It has the power to make them regular, Dan. That's the point.
2: Well, Mike, this is the classic argument you see on that scene in in Adams where Hamilton and Jefferson are— Debating the national debt and everything. And what does Jefferson say? If you want to get into the spirit of what that was meant to do, he's not, I mean, What did Jefferson say? I fear a revolution would have been in vain if a Virginia farmer is to be held in hock to a New York stock jobber who is in turn hock to a London banker. Yeah. This, is the same kind, this is the same conundrum and the same two sides fighting with each other. Yep. In this case, the future we all prosperity of love- this nation rests chiefly in
3: trade. Trade depends, among other things, on the willingness of other nations to lend us money.
0: And how would you propose to establish international credit? Our
3: first step would be to incur a national debt. The greater the debt, the greater the credit. If the states are indebted to a central authority, it increases the power of the central government. You have it exactly. The greater the government's responsibility, the greater its authority.
2: The moneyed interest in this country is all in the north. So the wealth and power would inevitably be concentrated there in the federal government, to the expense of the South.
3: If that is the case, it is unavoidable if the union is to be preserved.
0: I fear our revolution will have been in vain if a Virginia farmer is
2: to be held in hock to a New York stock jobber who in turn is in hock to a London banker.
0: Exactly. (laughs)
2: the debate's been ongoing since day 1 probably before day 1 but but I mean it, it, it this is this is a natural extension of that right there
0: so, uh, the uh, the Amish farmer as well, who's being tortured and tormented by the USDA, now they're going to his farm uh, with armed agents who are pointing guns at him, telling him that they're going to fine him. They're going to throw him in jail for 30 years. He won't survive 30 years. Uh, they're going to fine him half a million dollars. And all they're trying to do is intimidate other uh, other farmers. But the Amish farmer's not backing down. The Amish farmer's like, well, come and do it. Um, oh, I, I you don't mess with people and their food. You, yeah, if there's going to be a four food shortage this winter, you start doing this, people are going to start doing things to federal agents that they're not going to like. Yeah,
2: he has four thousand families as part of his his uh, PMA. So again, I have not read that any of them are. They they have been there in force uh, around him. I don't know that they're there with guns or anything like that. So when I say in force, I only know what I read. It's in Bertham, Pennsylvania. It's not that far from me. Matter of fact, I think it's closer to Mr. Beeman. Well, there's another course, one here. Uh,
0: Vernon Hershberger, uh, and there's a picture of him in the chat room at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, rejects a search warrant for his raw milk farm in Wisconsin. This has now come down, and they've been doing doing this since Obama. Remember back in the early days Obama, we were uh, covering the story of that courageous woman in Wisconsin who was also selling raw milk, and it wasn't USDA agents. It was Treasury Department agents. Yes, Maggie?
1: Just a real quick update on that. They they came back with a different, more itemized warrant. Went in without his consent because he refused. Then the second time, they criminally charged him. He went to court, and the jury failed to convict they so, refuse to convict
0: him. so, so uh, 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 again you have some tides uh, that are turning against this evil and against this kleptocracy the uh, the, uh, the cult of death kleptocracy that now once it knows it knows it needs to feed itself this beast and it knows it needs to feed its elite clients and it wants to put out of business dan it wants to put you, it wants to put Brian, it wants to put Julie, it wants to put Todd McClure, it wants all of you to know you will grow your food at our pleasure, Mr. Mundy.
2: Well, and, and as you already mentioned it, they, they've got more than one prong on this fork. They're poking at us. you got the Treasury Department. You've got the USDA. They were a... And and this ha- I'm, I'm glad I was no longer a 4-H leader and running the fair because they they, we, they weren't allowed to have birds there a number of years ago because of avian yeah, influenza. We'll they will come in. I've seen it with people with with uh, people I know with uh, uh, sheep farms. They've identified they have scrapie, which is a, a brain disease. Excuse me, and uh, they come in and confiscate your entire flock. So there, there's a number of ways they're going to come out and get those of us who are trying to do a little bit on the side there and and, and try to perhaps feed our local community and work within our community. That just, it, it, it'll get as ugly as any of the other things when it comes down to how we have to protect ourselves. And they want to fight. I'm sure they
0: want to fight. Right. Okay, so, and this is why... The, okay, this is why, then, we have the... Um, you have to stay on top of this. This is why, if there are going to be agriculture departments, we only want one, and it has to be located in the state, Near where the ag is actually produced. Now, again, I said if we have to have that, we must have. If we have to have, then, uh, then Dan, all we want is Mr. Kimball. <laughs> pam-
2: we got pamphlets. You got to have pamphlets. You got
0: to have pamphlets, right? We want Mr. Kimball with his pamphlets and his and his happy-go-lucky stupidity. Oh, well, how are you doing that, Mr. Douglas? Uh, Mr. Kimball. I put seeds in the ground. Oh, the ground and seeds. That's a great idea, Mr. Douglas. Where'd you get the seeds? (laughs) <laughs> what? What great characters on that show!
2: <laughs> such... you, you do you do realize that he, the first few episodes, his initial character was not supposed to be a mumbling idiot, but he kind of, he, he
0: turned it into it. Oh, he turned uh, it into it. it <laughs> yeah, you watch the first <laughs>
2: couple episodes; he's actually kind of lucid and serious.
0: <laughs> okay, now, uh, all right. So uh, again, uh, we're all in agreement here on Free Farm Friday, Mike Church Show, and you're on the Crusade Channel, the, the last live talk radio station standing. We won't tolerate Mr. Kimball, but that's it. In other, in other words, Dan, really, and he's not here today, our, our lovable Brian Koch, we'll tolerate Brian because Brian works for the state. But Brian's not running around Texas looking for pe- to shut people down. He's working on behalf, uh, behalf of the state but looking to educate people and go like, well, I don't know, dude, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I'd do it this way. I don't mind that. I don't think anyone else does. Do you?
2: No, and, and there, you're certainly going to, you know, the trading of information is something that will improve any. That's right. ever. That's I don't care what it is.
0: Like, like, so, so and, the- and the Arbor Society, or one of the societies, uh, Ashley's dad told me, that there is a representative in every county or parish in the United States. I want to say it's the Arbor Society. Uh, you may have trouble finding them these days, but they are there. And if you got a question about what will grow, where you live, and what won't, and and how to grow it, you you go to this guy, and he'll tell you. So we don't mind that knowledge is good. So having someone that represents the people on a state level to educate and assist them, we don't mind that. As a matter of fact, I think that's actually that's probably a good thing. But exercising the power to tell who grows what, where, and how much—no, no, sir, no—that's what we reject. All right, we're going to run out of time here. So let's get to let's do some chicken killing, Mr. Money. Well. My-
2: Frank Purdy and I live behind the barn. Oh, I've been killing chickens before he was born. I'm the master of disaster. I am the Genghis Khan to every living chicken. Here on this farm, it takes a tough man to kill a chicken. It takes a tough man to kill a chicken. It takes a tough man to kill a chicken. And that
0: tough man is me. All right, Mayor Monday, it takes a tough man to kill a chicken. Uh, you instructed some people at the uh, Great North Congress a couple weeks ago on the fine art of killing chickens. And uh, we have one of our chicken killers on the other line here. Uh, I guess, uh, Julie, are you there?
1: Yes, Bab and I are
0: both here. Okay, so we have the chicken killers and we have the assassin trainer. Mister Monday, what did you teach them?
2: Uh, I taught them my way of, of processing the birds. Uh, we the one, the first one, they uh, they actually did get a very one of those very nice rotary pluckers. I have a drum type. I very seldom use it uh, just because of the cleanup and the quantity I'm doing at a given time. But I did the first one by hand. You know, showed I can. I'm, if I'm not pushing. I can do five or six an hour that way, which is certainly slower than a mechanical. But I can do it that way. And we've also parted that one out, and how you would how you could cut it up and part it out. Um, and then we let uh, Bob and Paul. Uh, I can get off if Paul wants to get back on. Uh, we uh, let uh, Bob and Paul each kill another one. So we did the three, and that was in preparation for them uh, doing the rest of their flock, which uh, I understand they did in two different lots. So oh, okay,
0: possibly, well. You know, well. Let's find out about this. All right, so uh, first of all, Bob and Julie, uh, welcome. Uh, did, did it go? The, was Meet your expectations, exceed your es- expectations, or something totally different?
3: Uh, it exceeded, I think. Um, I did, Dan did an excellent job. Uh, it, it really didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to. There wasn't as much blood. There wasn't as much trauma. There wasn't, you know... Um, I know Dan did his plucked his chicken by hand. We used the plucker. Uh, that thing got that chicken clean in about ten seconds, and it was <laughs> it was wonderful. Uh, and then and then cleaning it up, it wasn't as dramatic as you think it would be. It was it was fine. We we uh, we in fact we did it two nights. We did uh, some. We did eighteen on Friday night, and then Saturday morning we did another nineteen. And uh, there was six of us. We had a little production line going there, and uh, we did them in about two hours uh, the first night, and, and the next day we did uh, in about two hours. The same. So.
0: And how many? How many birds were the result? How many? How many whole chickens? Uh, well, thirty-seven those two times, and
3: we had 52. And we had done, yeah, we had done some before, so fifty-two total.
0: Fifty-two total. Uh, now, Julie, uh, you, were, you were you were there for all this. Uh, I've seen and heard tales from Jackie Smart, Jacqueline, as Fiorella calls her in the chat room, uh, slaughtering chickens willy-nilly, uh, did, did, did it, uh, conjure up any, uh, any sensible, in, any sensibilities in you or did you, uh, or did you just go along with it like Bob just said? Well,
1: I kind of, I'm kind of sensitive to the chickens, you know. Meat chickens are a lot different than your laying hens. You're laying hens, you know them, they know you, you know, you have a, a relationship, so to speak. Meat chickens are just exactly that. They are meat. However, my job in this whole production line was to get the chicken out of the pen, and I'm hugging it and kind of calming it down before it gets its throat slit. So I was the comforter-in-chief, Mike. <laughs>
0: you were the comforter in chief. So Dan, did you teach them chicken cuddling instead of chicken killing?
2: No, I just brought my little hook and uh, reached in the pen and grabbed the leg, and out they come.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I, I saw. I, I, do,
2: I, I do. I do talk to them when I when I'm carrying to the put them over to the killing cone. I'll say, I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Well, well, you remember a couple of years ago at the St. Benedict Center. Uh, the first year, a sister Maria Philomena's farming. When she first, her first year of farming, uh, before her talk on Friday afternoon, she comes in uh, with this ginormous cage, and I'm looking at the cage, and it has a, it has a, uh, a cover of it has a blanket over it. So I'm like thinking, Is she bringing a dog in here? <laughs> What's going on? And in short, of course, she gets into her talk, Dan, and you know what happened. She has a chicken in the cage. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like Julie says She has become so good with the chickens You know, this is something that I'm going to have to get over When I uh, leave the bougie development And get out to Walls Inn and West um, uh, She just picks the birds up Just you know, like, like, she's picking a, like she's picking A little puppy up um, yeah, And pets them And uh, apparently chickens are soft uh, So I guess, Julie That's what you're talking about That you have an attachment to the laying hens Because you handle them often
1: well, exactly. And when I call them, they come and, you know, of course they're looking for food. But, um, you know, so there's a relationship there. So it's a very different feeling when you're dealing with these meat chickens as you get them at one day old, two days old, and you're killing them by eight weeks. Um, you know, that's a very short time from birth to death. And, um, but they don't want—they don't want a relationship with you. They just want food. They just want water, and that's it. So it's just a different feeling. So, so, so you're saying that, the
0: chicken is a wham-bam? Thank you, ma'am. I—I I guess so. Sure. <laughs> she, I don't want no cuddling, no snuggling. Just feed me. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. Um, and so it doesn't make you feel bad. I thought that you know maybe I would have uh, be sensitive about this, whatnot, but really, no. You look at it that that's food it's food for our family and paul's family and i do want to thank paul's family because uh both of his daughters and one of the daughter's fiancées were there helping us and it was just terrific to have them there helping us
0: okay so um let, let's talk about guts dan uh, what what do you advise if people get into uh, killing their own chickens what do you advise you know, when you get to the gutting part? Um, you know, some people like to eat chicken livers. They, uh, Maggie loves gizzards, and, uh, but not everyone does. Uh, what, what, what do you teach, or what do you uh, what you encourage people to do with the remnants, uh, the inner part of the birds?
2: Well, the minimum you should do with it is if you are if you are composting. If you don't want it. And you're composting, put it in your compost pile. It makes good it compost. Don't just go throw it in the woods. And I mean, you can, but I, I would at least recommend doing something like that so you can get some use out of it. Um, I'm not a big gizzard fan. I tend to take the gizzards when I'm taking bones and other things. I'm making stock, and I'll throw the gizzards in for that. And then when you're cleaning up the, the bones and the meat and the cartilage that you don't want in the gizzard, that usually becomes, my, becomes part of my dog food, okay. which the dogs greatly, greatly appreciate. Livers and hearts. I love livers and hearts. So... They get accumulated, and when there's enough of them, and I have a number of recipes of things we do with them, and we eat them. Um, other than that, there's not much else. I mean, I'm sure people would. And if you were hungry enough, you would, but I've never eaten chicken lungs or anything like that, so even I won't go quite that far. But that's what I do with them.
0: Now, let's talk a, a minute about, uh, well, let me ask Julie and Bob, what did you do with your innards? Well, so
3: we did. We ended up putting them in our compost pile, but you go out there the next day and everything's gone. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, we're feeding whatever, whatever foxes, coyotes, whatever's around, we're feeding them, you know. So so we tried, but...
0: So, so you put it in a pile, and the next day you can <laughs> it's all it's gone. gone. You're like it's looking gone. around going like, Is there, all right, where's the bear? Is there a bear around here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay, all right, okay, so we're talking with Bob and Julie Kopka and Dan uh, Dan Dan Mundy. Uh, Dan Wind, uh, Dan Mundy uh, Mr. M- Mundy, the old farmer, went to the Great Northern Congress, uh, which was held at Bob and Julie's house, back on the feast day of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. That's uh, August the 20th. Um, and did a little clinic on how to kill, how to properly process your own meat chickens that you have raised. Now, Dan, uh, the final thing to, about the, this particular process. You'll remember this. You and I are little students of American history, and we actually have a fondness for the founding fathers. We we have a fondness for the Constitution as it was written, and for you know the, the 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 debates over. And as I've said a billion times, if you put the right clause, regulating clause in it, uh, the Constitution, yeah, we can use it again. Not for this union. No, that's toast here and now. But one of the cases that arose before Wickard versus Filburn. Was, I can't remember who the plaintiff or who the prosecutor was, but it was called the Sick Chicken Case. It was the Schechter brothers, and the Schechter brothers were Jews in Manhattan or in uh, Brooklyn who were running a little butcher shop, and they were slaughtering chickens and slaughtering people's chickens. And someone apparently or someone was afeared uh, that because they weren't all USDA approved and acting all USDA and stuff that that someone was going to catch salmonella poisoning. And so the Roosevelt administration prosecuted the Schechter brothers and the court ruled on behalf of the federal government um, is salmonella. And this was over salmon, what we call salmonella today is salmonella a concern.
2: Oh, definitely. You, 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 the rule is clean, clean again, do your process clean again. I mean, you, you, you really can't be cleaning up, but we do it, you know, I mean, we also do it outdoors. I mean, there, there's here, here's the big secret, Mike. We're doing it on a small scale. We're allowing nature to do a lot of the cleaning when you're doing it outside. The rain is a wonderful thing. It's sterilized. You know, that, that all gets kind of sterilized. It's when you're doing the concentration, you're doing... Hundreds of thousands of birds a day right. in a confined space, continuously, 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 it becomes a big deal. We, and where I'm working now with the dog food, we actually have a, a very bad salmonella problem on one of the lines, and we cannot isolate where it is. Like a lot of these kinds of things, once it gets into your system, getting rid, of, finding it, and then getting rid of it is a problem. So there's no question about it. But you know, it'll be, we're talking about scale again.
0: Sure, right. If you're in scale and you're, and you're six weeks or eight weeks in between butchering, salmonella is not going to live on a surface by itself.
2: Nope, nope. You know, you're not going to have that kind of problem.
0: Okay, all right. So that's great. Well, uh, Bob and Julie, uh, uh, I assume that you guys are in this for the long haul now, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we'll probably, being up here in the north, of course, but, You know, probably uh, try it twice a year, you know, once in the spring and then once in the fall. Um, it, it is, it, it is, there is, you know, there's a commitment there and there's, it, you know, you have to be there, uh, every day to, to, to move the chicken tractor. And I guess I would recommend everything I saw was saying move the chicken tractor once a day. I would recommend at least twice a day. Um, and then, uh, you have to feed them, of course, keep them water, you know, have them a fresh supply of water and everything. And, uh, um, you know, obviously watch out for, for predators and whatnot coming in and trying to, you know, take your chickens and whatnot, but, uh, uh, it's really not, it's really not, uh, not as bad as we had envisioned, I guess, in in the beginning. So,
0: you know, I, 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 now I assume that the Charons are also raising their own birds.
3: Well, they, they raised them over. We raised them over here at our at our house. They, okay. they live in a in a suburb and it wasn't allowed so we can do it on our Okay. Okay, so, so this
0: is what I think is a, is a, is a, and this is a great really really important talking point. And that is make friends with Bob and Julie if you live near there. <laughs> or find a Bob and Julie and do the same thing, right? This is, this is why we need communities, why we need communication. This is why we need Congresses. This is why we need to know who our, or our fellow homesteaders are. Because not everyone's cut out to, to, to raise chickens, Bob.
1: Well, and not only that, like I said, they live in a neighborhood where we live on three acres. We're only about five minutes apart. And when we had to go away for a weekend or whatever, Paul and Denise came over and moved the tractors and, and fed the birds. So they shared that with us. And, of course, then we're sharing the cost. And um, so I did the math the other day. So 52 chickens, it ended up being $2.12 a pound approximately, killed weight.
0: $2.12 so, a pound for healthy organics, and you know what went into them. Dude, I, uh, uh, Julie, I'm there.
1: Yeah, so we'll definitely do it again. Um, how many we'll do, I don't know. I guess we're going to see that in the spring. Um and just kind of go
0: from there. Well, that is a this is a wonderful thing here, Dan. You done good, son. You you got these people all on the right foot, and I like I really really like the, the fact uh, the fact that they that, that they're are kind of sharecropping, right? Maybe the Charons can do something in their suburbia that the the that the Kopkas need. Maybe you know, Maybe Paul heads a workshop and he does some woodworking that Bob doesn't have the time to do. Or maybe uh, Mrs. Sharon, Mrs. Sharon does some, some sewing or something uh, that, that Julie doesn't have the time. This is a barter system here. And it's also community-based. This is what New Christendom is all about. This is exactly how you do it. I couldn't be more proud of all you guys. You're, you're, and this is inspirational. A lot of people are going to go, like, I can do this. I can do this. I can be the guy or the gal that raises the chickens. I know people in my group. We can do this. Dan, I think this is just a home run ball.
2: Oh, it's it, It's great. I mean, and, and just the, the example of how they can share the load too. Hey, you know, we're going away this weekend. Yeah, you know, it, it does tie you down. There's no question about it. You 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 do have to like it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and and then whatever else you're going to trade, like you've heard me say. Well, you know, they're buying chicks. Maybe you know somebody in the group is the one who raises chicks, and they don't worry about raising the birds. They they hatch the chicks and they supply them to everybody else. I mean, that that's that's kind of the way I think it could work out in a small community. And you know, you a few people to do it because you know somebody can always have a problem and lose everything. You can't, can't put all. Oh God, I hate to say it this way, but you can't put all your eggs in one basket.
0: All right, <laughs> so all right that's well, that's the way to work it out. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's cooperative. It's community building. Uh, Bob and Julie, thank you very much. You guys did a great job. Thank you so much. And
1: thank you, Mr. Monday, for coming up and teaching us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we
2: had a great time. They—they—they they, they are tremendous hosts. Have a wonderful place, and and uh, we got next time we're doing a northern one if they want to host it again. Everybody's got to get out there.
0: Yeah, I think everyone should have to do a host at least one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob, I'm Julie. New Jersey, but I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed of New Jersey. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see you all in a few weeks at St. Benedict Center.
1: Absolutely, yeah, we'll see you there.
0: All right. Yep. Uh, God bless. Uh, all right, Dan, you're not going anywhere because you and I are going to oh. talk about the real fun stuff, and that is cooking chickens. Oh, I noticed in this book that you gave me that was written in 1780, whenever uh, this cookbook that there's only a couple of things that this uh, that this uh, uh, w- wonderful uh, colonial era chef uh, that he cooks thing in, cooks things in. It's either water or it's tallow. Well, he's oh, he's firing. either boiling it or he's frying it in tallow. Yeah, there,
2: there, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, in the day, you know, everybody, everybody, I mean, most people, yeah, you, you had access to a fire, whether you had a fireplace or you had access to a fire and you had a pot. That may be all you had. To have an oven, to have even a Dutch oven or something, those were luxuries. Those are not the kind of things the average person had. And then you add the second part of that is, is where, you know, chickens were not the same 250 years ago the way they are today. Uh, as we've uh, genetically manipulated them, I don't necessarily mean in the lab yet. Just the way we bred and raised them, or uh, bred and raised them. So you, you you had tough old birds generally. So what were you going to do? You had to make it palatable, and you had to cook within the means of what you had. So that's where those recipes are based, and they're not very elaborate. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and, and the reason you're going like, why wouldn't they have Dutch oven and stuff? Well, iron ore was plentiful, and they knew how to get it. But the kilns and the manufacturing uh, footprint was not there yet to mass produce giant cast iron They were made out of iron cast iron Dutch ovens. A family might have had one. You might have had just one. And you'd have been fortunate to to have that one. And you could boil water in it. You could stick it in an oven. You could put it on an open fire. Uh, Anything that you could put that you could introduce heat into that thing, you could use it, which is why they they preferred iron. Because it was tough. It was durable. It was heavy. And it lasted forever. If, If you kept it seasoned on the inside, cast iron pot will last you and your family forever.
2: Oh, that's for sure.
0: I love my cast iron frying pans. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I want to uh, quickly here, uh, Maggie. This breaking news here. This is, uh, folks. I should have kept. Uh, should have kept uh, <clears throat> BK on the line. Succeed, succeed, succeed! They've gone too far now. There's going to be a bank run today. Mark my words. If you go to the bank today and there's no money in the ATM, I'm going to tell you why. Just in 23 minutes ago from the White House. Digital assets pose meaningful risks, while a U.S. central bank digital currency has the potential to offer significant benefits. Fact sheet White House releases first ever comprehensive framework. Uh, Following Biden's executive order, new reports outline recommendations to protect consumers and investors. They're going to sell this as something that is good, good for you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. This is the secede straw. If you go along with this, you're dooming your family into perpetual tyranny and slavery. You will never escape if you say yes to this, Dad, I don't care what your job is, what your vocation is. I don't care if you have a half a century invested in it. Your relatives are going to hate the day you were born if you say yes to this. The answer is no. Uh, we need to get on horns. You need. We need to contact our state representatives. They need to get with the state attorney generals, and they need to be sued post-haste. The U.S. Constitution, by the way, Article Ten says, "No state shall coin anything other than silver or gold for the service of debt." Mister Monday, the Constitution says your state, my state, can coin silver and gold. We better get at it, and we better start today.
2: Well, the only—I think the only state that's even, even Mister. DeSantis—I don't think I've ever heard him bring that up, and certainly maybe not. Uh the current, uh, current governor of Texas is there, but, I mean, Texas has
0: verbally... Hey, they have a man in Texas. They have two of them that I know of.
2: So they have, I I can't disagree, literature it's just, you know, people... You know, I, I hate to watch those videos where, you know, the man on the street where people go out and find out how dumb the... People are on the street. When you have somebody say, ask them, "How many dimes are in a dollar?" and they turn them and say, "Are dimes the five cents or the ten cents?" If this is the state of the people we have, they're going to they're going to go for this line and sinker. And I don't know how to other than breaking away from them. I don't know how to deal with it because you can't you can't educate people who are that far down at this point, and and, and, and decisions have to be made imminently.
0: Well, uh, you couple this with the—somebody uh, uh, sent me this uh, about tractor supply, TSC. You couple this with what—what's uh, it called? Uh, the uh, uh, environmental ESG. Did you know, Mr Monday, that you have an ESG score? Oh, I'm sure
2: I do, but uh, that's why I— uh, Maggie, I did you I know
0: that the work church work family has an ESG score because we bank with Chase? They're already ISO categorizing where we spend money and they're assigning carbon value to to each ISO category Dan. so they already have a ESG score on all of us. Now, I don't know if you been look, you can you can scream and howl and you can go like "Donalds Jones top better jar, please, you're scaring the children." This isn't Alex Jones stuff. This is real. This just happening right now. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Do you understand that? Turn the friggin' frogs gay. serious uh, crap. Gay. Frogs friggin'. Tar Heel Militia, you're in the chat room. Do, do, do me a favor. Throw that link in from that Gab story that you put in there the other day about tractor supply. Going all woke and stuff. Um, and it's not that Tractor Supply is going all woke and stuff. Is that Tractor Supply wants a part of this big digital currency action here. So they're trying to lower their ESG footprint. This is how they starve you if they don't get you by depriving the the supply chain of, of product. They're going to get you by monitoring your ESG score. Everything you purchase now. Biden just declared war on every consumer, on every citizen that has a bank account. And and now this show is all all going to be promoted under the disguise of it's for your own good. Look, us executing you because you're like Logan's run because of your ESG score. Look, dude, we recommend an ESG of 150. Your family's at 600. Uh, Your Gallo appointment, your gulag number is going to be ESG criminal 334275. He's not the president. The president doesn't have the authority to make a currency. He doesn't have the authority to change a currency. The Congress is the only body that has the authority to do this. He can't do it. Doesn't mean he's not going to try. So uh, mid or Monday, I don't want to depress anyone on Friday because going into the weekend. But this is this this is just this is uh, (laughs) to quote the Big Lebowski. It's a bummer, man. That's a bummer.
2: We have to, to, Mike, we have to start working with our own capital. It may not only be silver and gold. It's going to be chickens and it's going to be pigs and cows and corn and tomatoes and salsa from Brian and whatever else. That's going to have to be our currency.
0: They're going to destroy people's lives. They're going to kill entire, what little businesses survived, they're going to kill those businesses. They're going to try to compel every bank, every regional bank, every small bank into this scheme. Uh, you might want to just start or, or keep this, uh, or put this on the front burner. You might want to contact the Board of Governors if you have a regional or a local bank that you're banking with, and let them know that you do not wish to ever trade in a digital currency, and you wish for them to do whatever they have to do to resist this. Resistance is the key. If enough people resist, this will this will, this will, uh, this will be like, do you remember when uh, uh, Carter or was it Nixon or Ford tried to compel the American people to switch from the standard system to metric?
2: Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they
0: set a deadline for it. I think it was 1980. I think it was January 1st, 1980. Uh, everything was going to be measured metric. Standard was going the way of the dodo, et cetera, et cetera. It failed. It, and they threatened. They had, all the, they had all the framework in place. They threatened. So you're not going to be able to sell if you don't, uh, if you, uh, if you don't uh, weigh things out in grams and what have you, kilograms. You're not going to be able to sell. Uh, it failed. Because the American peoples pushed back and went, we like our standards we don't want to be Europeans.
2: Well, and there are actually very practical reasons If you are a machinist, and my grandfather was. So I, if you look at certain ways and certain things, way you measure things and break it down, the English system is far superior and easier to work with than the decimal system. They have their own places. but it, it, To say it's obsolete or it doesn't work or it doesn't make sense is just not true.
0: Yeah, well, uh, all right. We're going to wrap this up uh, this Free Farm Friday. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, uh, or, or on the way out the Doe, uh, what is your favorite way to prepare chicken? Favorite? Boy, you're going to, you're going to,
2: one of my, or one I like very much what I've been doing, I've, I learned it's called airline chicken. You ever hear airline chicken?
0: I have not done an airline chicken. Okay.
2: Airline chicken comes from the days when, you know, stewardesses were actually stewardesses and wore cute uniforms and they actually used to cook on the plane. for <laughs> real. Did they
0: re- no, I don't remember them cooking
2: on the plane. I don't either, but that, that, that's where it came from. So what it is is it's a chicken breast, but they leave the first joint of the uh, wing on the breast. So it's sitting there with that little joint of wing on it. And what you do is you take that tenderloin off the back of the chicken, which is you know, the, little, little, you know, the, the real chicken finger. You season that up uh, with whatever you like very, very heavily, and then you put it opposite. Make sure you do it opposite so you got the, you even out the chicken breast under the skin on the top.
0: Mm. We always do that with all of our chicken. No matter how we prepare it, if we're going to bake it in any way, shape, or form, the seasoning always goes under the skin.
2: Right, and, and and you you kind of use that that chunk of meat as the season, holding the seasoning, and you can tell I me mean, if you want to marinate it, or you want to season it. I mean, at that point, you know, you want to grill it, you want to smoke it. I mean, you know, other variations, but that's that's the airline, the, the the concept there that I like is you're taking that tenderloin, making that like your seasoning ball, and putting it under the skin there, and believe me, it always comes out good. So that's that's one of the ones I. All
0: right, Maggie. Thinking, Maggie's always uh, loving to try new recipes. Now, look, I always tell her. It's, it's not the recipe, it's the picture. <laughs> People sell buy, by... You gotta try this recipe! Oh my lord, look at this picture! Can't eat a picture, dude. Yeah, but it looks so good, doesn't it? Uh, I actually uh, think I think the church also will be having an airline chicken uh, any day now, Dan. So <laughs> thank you for that. You, you, give it a try. Well, I'm going to... And I'm gonna, of course... Everyone knows where I'm going, uh, even though it's a Friday and yes, we are going to be, be abstaining from chicken and meat today. Everyone knows what I'm going to say. Mitch O'Connell certainly knows what I'm going to say. The one and only way to prepare chicken is to fry it, southern fried. Let me give you a quick recipe. Uh, I'm just going to give you the basics of it, and this will come out in the cook- Cooking with the King Dude Cookbook uh, when we get out the Walls in and West. Brine. Thighs and legs only. You can't fry breasts. Don't even try. Bake your breasts, use them for something else. Thighs and wings and legs, okay? Whole wings, that's fine. You're going to want to brine for at least an hour. Three is better. You're going to make your brine out of salt, black peppercorns, and then when that's done, you're going to uh, about 10% of that will be lemon or lime juice, five to 10%. You, you can kind of eye it up. You're going to want to brine for two to three or uh, uh, two to three hours. And the reason you're brining, you're going to lock in. Number one, you're going to kill salmonella, but you're going to uh, that's one thing. But you're going to lock in moisture content by right? brining chicken. You lock in moisture content, and you're going to make. And this is what surprises everyone. Well, how do you fry your chicken, Mr. King? Dude, how does it come out like this so crispy in this? You make your batter out of three-quarter part cornstarch, one part flour. So if you have two cups, then it's a cup and a half cornstarch. and That's an approximate to a half a cup of flour. You can put seasonings in it. You can you add your salt, or pepper. You really don't need salt at that point. But then you're going to add water to that, and you're going to make a little pancake batter out of that, that's what you dunk the chicken in. Get your oil to 375. Use iron if you have it, and you can fry a thigh. And depending on your altitude, at 350 to 375, anywhere from eight to 12 minutes. Just depends on the size of the thigh. Dan, that's your fried chicken recipe for the stars from Cooking with the King, dude. Thank you for another Free Farm Friday, brother.
2: Thank you very much, Minister. We'll talk to you next week, and looking forward to St. Benedict's.
0: Uh, looking forward to seeing you too. God bless you. God bless everyone. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for us here today.